tomorrow is Easter. We really tried hard to be able to celebrate Resurrection Sunday on Sunday rather than Saturday, but such is the case. Thank you guys for being here. We are celebrating tomorrow today. But we're excited about it because Jesus Christ rose 2,000 years ago regardless, okay? So we're stoked about that. And just to be able to, to realize the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And, and I want us to contemplate that tonight as, as we walk through the gospel story. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 24. We're going to look at some of these verses concerning Jesus' resurrection and how it impacted the people around them and to some degree how it did not impact them and took a little while. And honestly, I think that's the case for many of us. I grew up in a Christian home, and the resurrection was just, it was a story. I, I believed it. It happened, but it didn't change me. I knew it happened, but until my heart welcomed it, I was unchanged. I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. And what exactly is this resurrection? And let me just, okay. Um, I'm going to open and pray before I go any further. I want to invite the Holy Spirit right now into this place in a way that the Spirit of God will speak to your heart through His Word. Okay, Father, we do that right now, and, and we open our hearts up to You, Spirit of God, that You would teach us, that You would give us wisdom, You would give us insight into Your Word, and that, Father, by the power of this of Your Spirit, You would change our hearts. You would align our hearts with Yours in faith. And Father, I ask that if there's any here tonight who have yet to be changed powerfully changed by the resurrection power of Jesus tonight, would you do that? Would you contemplate the resurrection of the very Son of God? In Jesus' name we pray. Have you ever seen one of those pictures, and when you look at it, you just have no clue what it is? And I, I, I struggled to find this one, but it's actually a, it's, it's a bunch of squiggly lines and Blots, and I don't think it's a Rorschach, but it's a—it's just a picture. But when you're told what to look for, it's like, oh, there it is. It's a picture of a cow. And the cow, I think a cow is turned sideways and looking at you this way. But when you're looking at it, it's like, I don't see anything. And it, as, as a matter of fact, when I was told that it was a cow, then I started looking for it. It took me a little while, but as soon as my eyes found it, it was like, it just suddenly jumped out at me. And that's kind of a picture that I had of Jesus' resurrection. I, 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 I knew that it was there. I knew that it was real, but I, I, it, I did, it has never changed me. It has never changed me. You know, I love the movie Risen. How many of you have ever seen that movie? It's called Risen, okay? Risen? Uh, yeah, great. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. But in the beginning, the there's a... Uh, a, a, a soldier, a Roman soldier, and he has been given the commission to investigate this resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the whole issue started initially because he was supposed to keep the the people, the Jews, um, from rioting. It was, it was the Passover week. And so it was very important to Rome that there be peace in Jerusalem. And so now with this purported death and, and resurrection of Jesus during Passover, he started investigating it. And the more he began to investigate it, the more he began to wonder, 
what is this all about? And so he interviews the two soldiers who were paid off by the Sanhedrin to zip it and share nothing about what had happened. You know, and often as I read, that's the account in Matthew 28. Often I've thought about that. How did the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, feel about that? Did they just not believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead? Because they, they told the soldiers that Jesus' disciples stole the body. They made that story up. So what was their explanation, right? I would love to know that one. What, was, what did you really think happened? So this Roman soldier, high ranking, I'm not sure he's a centurion. He's probably a little bit higher than a centurion. But he begins investigating it, and he's wondering, oh, my goodness, what if? And then he discovers that the, that the disciples of Jesus had gathered together, and when he, when he storms the upper room in which they're gathered, he sees Jesus. And he just begins to fade into the background and walk around the room, and he just sits there, and eventually I think he sits, and he just goes, this can't be. This is Jesus. I saw him. I looked at his face before he died. I know who this is. I looked at him at the cross. I know he died on the cross. I was there. And yet, he's right here in front of me. And at that moment, faith enters into the picture, and his life is changed. And one of the things that impacts him is the realization that this resurrection had purpose. And I want to just tell you tonight, when you discover the purpose of the resurrection, it will undo you, it will change you. And see, for me, it was just a nice story. When I was 14, and some people think that that's really young. For me, that was at that time, I was like really old, okay? 14, like half my life or more is already gone, right? No. And so there I was, and I, I began to contemplate the resurrection, and it changed me. And when I was 14, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Raised in a Christian home, heard the Bible, heard the gospel, because I went to a gospel-preaching church, but it never changed me. I'm going to read to you from Luke 24. I want you to see, we're not going to read all of it, but I want you to see how people's hearts begin to change. Are you there with me? Luke 24, starting with verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now, the reason why they did that is because Friday was Passover. They had to quickly take Jesus' body down. And without realizing it, John tells us, by the way, in, in John 19, that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea had already done this. They had already put, and it was about 75 pounds of spices to help preserve his body. They didn't realize that. And so I guess at the cross they had, they had done this, and then they carried him. And so they just figured, well, it's Passover. There's no way they had time to properly prepare his body. And so they came early Sunday morning to do that, which means that they probably Saturday evening, because that would not be considered the Sabbath. Technically, they purchased the spices to do this for Jesus properly Sunday morning, very early. They found the stone, it says, verse 2, rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back to the excuse me, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. Now remember it's called the eleven because one of them is no longer with them. And that is Judas. Judas apparently went and hung himself. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of jo- James, and the others with them and told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. When the the ladies enter into the tomb, They're standing there, and they see Jesus' burial clothes. John tells us that the head napkin is actually folded up, and they're set aside. I mean, if you're stealing somebody's body, if you're a grave robber looking for jewelry or whatever, you don't fold things up neatly, as John 20 tells us. And yet that's exactly what happened. So they come in there looking at this, and it's like, what? I don't get it. It's like they're looking at the picture and they're told there's a cow in there and there's like, what? I don't get this. And then suddenly, an angel, two angels, stand next to them and say, ladies, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And he begins to tell them, this Jesus, see, he rose from the he told you he was going to rise from the dead. He t- you remember way back in Galilee? Now, Luke only tells us that Jesus said to them the very first thing, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Matthew includes the other two elements here. For whatever reason, Luke, just maybe stylistically, just gives us the first part, but now we realize Jesus told them way back there, around the time of the Mount of at the time of his transfiguration, that this was going to happen. They were in Galilee. Hey, guys, look, I need to let you know, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. They're going to kill me, but on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. How clear is that? See, for us, it is so clear. But for them, it was like, hey, there's a cow in the picture. What? What? Yeah. Serious. Because they had just a different perspective on who Jesus was and why he was doing everything that he was doing. Because he was getting the people of Israel prepared so that he would now step in as both a religious and a political deliverer. And this is exactly what they believed. John the Baptist even believed that. And he had had to send some of his disciples because Jesus, if anything, Jesus was making enemies. He wasn't making friends, at least not of the religious and, spirit and, and, and political leaders. Jesus didn't come to set up a political kingdom. Jesus came 
to set up the kingdom of God that you can't see with your eyes here on earth. And he had to go through the cross, be raised from the dead in order to do this. And so it had purpose. Jesus had to die. They, 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 they didn't see it. They could not put the pieces of the puzzle together and come up with a picture that was complete. As a matter of fact, this word that they that Luke uses right there in verse 4, it says, while they were wondering this, the Greek word is this idea of wonder with confusion. Some translations you may have one, it says they were perplexed. They were puzzled, scratching their heads. They didn't get it. What? Jesus isn't here. If they stole his, why are his clothes? What happened? And in that moment, I, I can only imagine the angels are looking at each other because they're apparently invisible at this moment. Gonna freak out. I can hardly wait. Like, we've got this amazing news for them. I'm, I'm just wondering what their discussion was. And then suddenly they appear before them and they give them this good news. They say, hey, here's how the pieces begin to come together. But they still didn't completely understand why Jesus had to do this. So they come, they know Jesus. From the angels had been raised from the dead. He's no longer in his tomb. And they come to the disciples. And how did the disciples receive these ladies' testimony? What? You, the, the word in my translation is nonsense. They're worried. You, you ladies, you, you were up too late. You got up too early. You're seeing the, whatever. This is just a, this is a so-so story. Uh-uh. I, uh, not true. They just, they didn't believe it. So Peter, Peter wants to verify this. He wants, he's, he's one of the leaders. And so he, he and John, at least John tells us this, both of them, Luke just said, mentions Peter. So all that means is at least Peter went, but John tells us that both Peter and John went, and they run to the tomb, and when they look inside, There's no angel to tell them what just happened, at least not at that moment. The angel waits for the men to leave, and then the angel appears. And guess where they're at? They're in the tomb, right where Peter and John were looking. And John, of course, Peter could not see them. When the guys leave, that's when they choose to appear to the ladies, to, to Mary Magdalene, and they're, and she's like, who are what? Where's where's Jesus? And then, according to John, she turns around and there is Jesus. She thinks that he's the gardener. She still doesn't get it because apparently, when the ladies went to the tomb and they saw the stone rolled away, the best way to piece this together is that at that moment, Mary Magdalene ran to tell the disciples while the other ladies went inside the tomb. When they went inside the tomb, that's when the angels appeared to them, so she didn't have that privilege. Now that she's come back, she does. And now she has the privilege of being the very first one to see Jesus. But Peter and John, 
they walk away, they run away, whatever it is, they leave, and it says here in verse 12 that Peter, it says he is wondering to himself what had happened. Now, this is a slightly different Greek word. It means wonder, but it is a wonder mixed with I don't think he still gets it. It's possible that he heard some of the ladies say, as he's leaving, the angel say, he's risen from the dead. It's possible that he heard that, but here's a second word for wondering. Peter does not completely understand what's going on. It's possible that he has heard about what the angel said, through the ladies, but now he is just wondering, I, 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 just, I don't get it. I don't get it. He's still so confused, but he is wondering. He's in awe. Something has gone on today, and I don't know what it is. Now we move on. I'm not going to read the story to you, but now Luke takes us on a journey to Emmaus, it's about seven miles from Jerusalem, and on the road to Emmaus, two of Jesus' disciples are joined by another person. This person is actually Jesus, but they are kept from recognizing him. No, don't get me wrong. Jesus, in his resurrected form, looks like Jesus. My friends, when you are resurrected, one day when you are resurrected with your bodies, you will look like yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to be about 25 or 30 rather than 62. But, you know, I guess that's going to be up to the Lord. But I think all of you are going to look amazing and great. But I'm going to be able to recognize you. And there's many proofs from that from Scripture. We're going to be able to recognize you. But for some reason, they did not recognize Jesus. They were kept from it until they broke bread and Jesus broke bread and it was like, well, hello. that was Jesus. He did it just like Jesus. Now, Mark tells us that Jesus did change his clothes at that point. So, obviously, that brought some confusion to them. Well, here is Jesus that he's walking with and they're talking about what's going on that day, and they are wondering. They're, in, they're confused. And Jesus challenges them. Look with me. Read with me. Chapter 24, verse 25, he says to them, this is what he says, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory. And beginning with Moses and all through the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, generally, when I walk, I walk about a mile in 15 minutes. So I'm going to guess, just in a normal walk, it took them about two hours, and if Jesus joined them, he had somewhere between one and two hours to share with him Old Testament scriptures that prophesied about the Messiah himself and the, and the scriptures plan and purpose for his crucifixion and then his resurrection. And he lays it out for them. 
And I'm just going to tell you this, church, many of us, we look at this picture and we don't see anything but a bunch of scribbles on it. Like, my four-year-old got a hold of this piece of paper, what happened? And even when we're told there's a cow in there, we still don't get it until, this is originally what happened, someone just showed it to me. And as soon as they started outlining, it was like, it was the most obvious thing in the Sometimes, many times, we need the scriptures to reveal to us the plan and the purpose, the very fact that Jesus' death and resurrection was predicted. It had been predicted by Isaiah in an entire chapter, Isaiah 53, in Psalm 22, which, so Isaiah is 700 years, Psalm 22 is about a thousand years before Christ. And these predictions are so spot on. I remember sharing Isaiah 53 with one of my Jewish friends. I was at a car lot. He was one of the salesmen. And he and I just started talking. And, and I can't remember how it came up, but I began to share with him about Isaiah 53. And he said, really? And, and it talks about the Messiah? I said, yeah, yeah, you need to go home. And he said, I'm going to go home and I read. I'm going to read it in the Hebrew. I said, let's do that. So he reads it in the Hebrew and he comes back, I see him the next week, and so I say, did you have a chance to read Isaiah 50? Oh, yes, I did. And I say, so what did you think? And he sits, he pauses, and he twitches his neck, and he goes, you know what? Damn. It still says exactly how we want it. Damn. I said, fine. He had spoken with his rabbi, and his rabbi gave him an explanation, and he, and yet, he still said, man, it sure seems like we want it. I don't care what angle you come at in trying to explain it away. That is a powerful prediction of Jesus and him coming and him being crucified. His life and, and the purpose of healing people. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, that he was pierced for our transgressions, that there was purpose in his suffering. And it even says that the Lord crushed him. But God himself, he used people like Pilate and said, God's plan. The son submitted to the plan. This is why Jesus had come, to reveal the father to the people. This didn't catch God by surprise. Church, I want to tell you this. When you understand God's plan and his purpose, the very fact that he predicted it, and now the resurrection is an integral part of what we call the gospel, it will undo you. It will like, wow, God, this is what life is all about. This is what forever is all about. And if you miss this, you've missed Everything in your life. Wow. And, and so these two on the road to Emmaus, it, when Jesus disappears, it was like, hello. We're starting to get this. Now, Luke fast forwards, and they are in the upper room. The doors are locked. The, they're hiding there for fear of the Jews. That is, the leaders would come, and since they crucified their leader, they would crucify his disciples as well. So they locked the doors. 
Maybe there was a special nut. I don't know. Maybe this. Who's there? <laughs> I don't know. I won't go there. And so finally, you know, the, the people are gathered there. And Jesus apparently has appeared to Peter. And Peter is like totally convinced. But the others, there's still so much doubt. And then Jesus appears right there. Let me read it to you. Verse 38, excuse me, 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. They've been told by the ladies Jesus rose from the dead, and now when they see him, they think they're seeing a ghost. In other words, just a spirit. You know, like you can put your hand like a hologram for a ghost. They, they just they can't believe this This isn't Jesus. There's, there's got to be a, a, a logical explanation. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's I myself. Touch me. See, a ghost doesn't have flesh and blood. You see, I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were, And he even says, hey, give me something to eat. And they say that in verse 32 and 33. And, and so they, it says in verse 41, they still did not believe it because, I mean, here's Jesus. He's standing right in front of them. Here, touch me. See, they still don't believe it because of joy and, my version says, amazement. It's the same Greek word for when Peter was wondering. They wondered. They still didn't get it. It's like, it's like there was so much joy and so much excitement this is too good to be true. Have you ever had something in your life that when it happened, it was like, no, 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 no. Like maybe you won the lottery. Okay, no, you, I'm sure you didn't. Something wonderful happens to you and it's like, no, 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 no. That's, that's too good to be true. Like when I sat there and I looked my she was my girlfriend. Actually, she was just a friend at the time, Meredith. And I say, I would like to date you to see if this is credible or not. And she looked at me and she said, okay. <laughs> well, uh, wait, wait, wait. So you, you're, you're like cool with this? You know, okay. And it took me a bit. I, all, all right. Yeah, this going a lot easier than I thought. And we can experience exciting things, and it's like, this is this is, this is too good to, to be true. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus, you really raised from the dead. And, and they still didn't get it. And then it says this. It says in verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you. What I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Like Psalm 22. There's so many other Psalms that he could have, that I'm sure he shared. Now listen to this, verse 45. Then he opened their minds. There you go. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. The scriptures. This is what God had said. This is what God promised. This is what he predicted. And he says, you need to move on. They, oh, if 
finally their minds are open, and he told them, this is what is written. See, this is God's plan all along. From the beginning of time, this was God's plan. All of history, B.C. A.D., all of it. I'm not saying this is what he told them. But all, all of history focuses on this moment, God. And there could be people in here that are like, but Jeff, you're, you're history makers. We're making history right now. You're a part of this. I died and I rose from the dead for you. And, and it says that the, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of all of these things. I'm going to send you what the Father has promised. Who do you think that would be? His Holy Spirit. There you go. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks from then, and stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So now they finally get it. Now they understand there's a plan. Now there is this concept of a, a, of a purpose. God had to open their minds for them to understand the plan was different. I was 14 and God opened my mind for the first time. God, wow, why? It was the pieces of the puzzle that came together. The outline of the God, oh yes, I see it now. It changed my life. It changed me. Because Jesus' resurrection changes everything. In your life, Jesus' resurrection changes everything. You know, when you understand its purpose, when you understand, I remember when my my friend Bob, and Bob, I grew up with Bob. Bob and I had known each other like all my life, I think. He lived behind us in one house to the left. He had an alcoholic dad that tended to be abusive, so he would come over to our house, and there was just a little, he just had to hop the fence. And he would come over, and we would just love on him, and minister. he was like part of the family. He ended up being the best man in my wedding. And then Bob just, I, I'm in the market. I'm, I'm looking for a guitar. I, I think I'm in 12th, I think I'm in 12th grade. <clears throat> yeah, 12th grade. I've saved up my money. I've got a couple of hundred dollars saved up. But I'm also wanting to go to college and not, a, not the University of Delaware, which I eventually went to. But I wanted to go away to a Christian college. And I did, by the way, for a year and a half. Ran out of money. Came to the University of Delaware. Met my wife. We got married two and a half years later. Dad had a plan even there. But I, I'm saving up money. I've, and this it, guitar that I had my eye on, it was a guild guitar. And I just thought, I, I, wanna, I, I want this guitar. And I'm weighing it. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Can I afford this much money? Maybe I should take all of that money. I'm going to use it on school. What do I do? And months went by, and finally, this friend Bob popped over, and he had a guitar in his hand. And he said, hey, Mike, I want to show you something. And he puts the guitar down, he opens it up, and it's his 12-string Takamini made by Mark. And he says, here, pick it up and play it. So I, I'm, you know, I've got my little $50 harmony that I inherited from my older brother, who's now away at college. And so I'm thinking he wants to, he wants to just play guitar together, because Bob helps lead worship in our group of Bible study. <clears throat> and so he said, yeah, and I'm picking up and playing it, and, he, and, and, and I just said, man, Bob, I have 
loved it and I looked at it and said, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I got you out of it. And I'm saying, if I said, no, 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 I'm giving you this. You will hear it and be heard. And I, I keep, no, Mike, seriously. And the Lord showed me that I needed to give this thing to you. It's a beautiful thing. I, it happens. I don't play guitar these days, but I, I, I play guitar for you, decades. In fact, you did. And, but I still have it, and I love it. When he explained his plan, and he explained, Mike, I want you to have it, grew up in a musical family, tried to play this harmony guitar, I want you to have this one. And he knew that I loved playing and singing and where I could lead worship. And he said, Mike, I want you to use this. And maybe one day you'll be a leader this season in praise and worship that is yours. And when he told me the plan, Church, very quickly, I'm going to share three things with you. Three things, very quickly. Number one, the plan of Jesus' resurrection will reverberate throughout time. I don't mean to sound overly dramatic there, but forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, the resurrection of Jesus will happen. We live in a fallen world with the consummation of the ages. When Jesus comes back, it says all things in heaven and on earth. That includes you, but it includes all of creation to the furthest planet or star in the universe. All of it has been impacted by the fall, impacted by sin. Everything is decaying. Everything is off kilter and out of alignment until the resurrection power of Jesus Christ gets a hold of me. It got a hold of me, and it still has a little bit more to go. When I'm with Jesus, then I'm going to be receiving my glorified body. I'm going to be totally changed. But Jesus' resurrection changes everything. It changes the trajectory of your life and why you're even here, what you're living for. And don't say too much. Actually, that is the reason, isn't it? It is true love. It is the very true love of God, true love of our Savior who rescued me from my sins. Three things very quickly. Jesus' resurrection. He was raised so that we one day, in my conversion, that Mike Curtis would be raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. That happened because the spirit of life came into me. If you have the Son, you have life. If you do not have the Son of God, you do not have life. And it's that simple. Other things, regeneration, being born again, becoming a new creation, going from death, crossing over from death to life. Numerous phrases and words used in the New Testament to describe that Mike Curtis, when he placed his faith in Jesus Christ, I was transformed. I was dead in my sins. And now, because of the resurrection power of Jesus, I'm alive. I have a relationship with God. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. I was dead. I was disconnected with God. I was in the darkness. 
But it sure, how many years? 14 years, raised in a Christian home. I was in darkness until Jesus Christ, by his resurrection power, raised me up. Man, the old has become new. This is, this is what the angel told Joseph. You're going to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That word save means deliver, it means rescue. Jesus came to earth on a rescue mission. Saxon, Jesus came to rescue you, guess what? From your sin. The Greek word there ek, actually means out of your sin because the, the, your grave was sin. Your grave killed you. That's where Mike Curtis died. He was dead in his transgressions and sins, Ephesians 2.1. That's where I laid. I was, I was out of it. I was dead, disconnected from God. But Jesus came to rescue me out of my sin. Out of my sin. I'm going to give you an illustration. I think you're going to remember this illustration for the rest of your life. A woman. A woman. She has many lovers. And you know, you know what that means. She's, she's just not a faithful lady at all. Not married. But she has many lovers. But one day she meets her Prince Charming. Falls in love. He proposes to her. They get married. And on their honeymoon, they jump into the car, and three guys are in the back. And he turns to her, and he says, who are these? And she says, well, they're my lovers. If you were the man, what would you do at that moment? Slam on the brakes. Whoa. I don't think you understand what we just did back there. See, I said I do, and you said I do. And that means we're married, and that means we are to be faithful to one another. And I need these three guys to get out of here, and I tell you what, you can't ever see them again. They're out of your life. Are you beginning to see the parallel? See, when Jesus rescued me out of my sin, it was ludicrous for me to think, I'm following Jesus, and I've got this, this luggage with me. And Jesus says, so Mike. What's with all the luggage? Oh, these are my pet sins. These are the sins. I love them. I'm addicted to these sins. The truth is, when, when you were a non-Christian, every single one of you was addicted to your sin. That's the nature of sin. You're addicted to it. Try as hard as you can. You can get away from it a little bit, but you're going to come back. And I said, yeah, these, these, are, this is my, these are my pet sins. I'm all ready to go. I'm, I'm following you, Jesus, everywhere you go. Mike, I'm not sure you understand something. See, when you said I do to me, when you said at age 14 you're following me, that means you take that luggage and you set it aside, and now you're following me. That luggage doesn't come with you. I rescued you from it. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Your grace will cover all of it. No, Mike. With this illustration, I'm not even, I am not suggesting that we are saved by faith and then trying really hard to do, do good work. I'm talking simply about what is faith? What is genuine faith? Genuine faith is not just believing Jesus. 
genuine faith is believing in Jesus. And that's a danger. When you believe in Jesus, the resurrection changes. The resurrection power of God, Jesus himself, comes in me, and I'm just a different person. And when I sin, I feel guilty because the Spirit of God is in me, and he says, Mike, I don't like this luggage. Let's get rid of it. And I, you know what? You're right. And I repent. God, forgive me. And then I, and I keep growing in the Lord, and, and I stumble into sin, and I feel convicted, and I repent. Father, I'm so sorry because I've grieved your spirit. I understand God's not angry at me. I've grieved your spirit, though. And, Father, I just pray forgive me for my sins. Because the resurrection power, this life is in me, and it's contrary, this life is contrary to the death of sin. The light in me is contrary to the darkness of sin. Jesus rescued me out of it. So it doesn't mean I'll never sin, but I'm a different person now, and I do sin, and I treat sin differently. And I try to grow so that sin becomes less and less a part of me. That sin... It doesn't define me any more than my righteousness defines me. Jesus does. As someone who has been changed by the resurrection power of Jesus. Number two, I need to go through these even quicker. Jesus' resurrection now empowers me daily to live for him. Listen to this, church. It says right here. It says right here. It says, <laughs> in Paul's prayer, he says, that his incomparably great power for us would be revealed to us if we believe. That power is the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Over to chapter 3, he says this in a prayer. Now to him he's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That power in you as a believer is the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has come into your life who is now a part of you who's raised you now from death to life to live for him forever that life changed me and now it is available his grace, his ample grace is available to me so now I can actually bear supernatural fruit of the spirit I can now love supernaturally I can believe supernaturally not in and of myself, because the Spirit of God now enables me by His grace. God has changed me. That grace, that power of Jesus' resurrection is available to me every day. It is available to you, number three. One day, my body is going to be transformed to be like His glorious body, Philippians 3.10. Your body one day is going to be transformed. Why? Because the resurrection power of Jesus will do it. And I will live with him forever. These 60, 70, 80, what? You're 90 years old now, right? 90 years old. Wow. May God grant you many more. Well done. However long our time frame here on earth is, it is so small in comparison to eternity. And yet all of this, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ applied to my life now impacts my eternity. I'm not just going to be raised from the dead 
my body transformed. I'm going to live in that body worshiping him. Why? Because of the resurrection power of Jesus. It changed me back when I was 14. I live in it every day today, and I wish that I would avail myself more and more to it than I do. I'm praying that that's going to just continue to grow in the days God gives me. But in eternity, church, I am going to live in that resurrection power forever and ever. Forever and ever. Here's my question. Is the resurrection power of Jesus For some, if you asked me that when I was 14, right before my brother handed me this track that says, am I going to heaven? Find out in Christ. I just thought, Right then, Mike, has the resurrection of Jesus Christ transformed? I would probably say, yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, I go to church now. Um, I, I, I don't cuss as much as I used to. Um, I didn't grow up with alcohol and drugs, so I couldn't see it there. So it was nothing for me. Yeah, I don't do drugs and alcohol. You know, I don't get drunk. But did, did, did the resurrection and in the past will look to the resurrection of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago as our everything. We're going to be worshiping Jesus in the future because of his death and his resurrection. It's a game changer. And I pray tonight when you leave here, you're going to think, wow, has the resurrection changed me and that you're going to step up and say, And it can. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The, you know, games aside, you can still be wondering, well, the resurrection of Jesus. You know, I've heard some of my atheist friends saying, you know, okay, I get that. I've had to think through that myself. 